morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone joining us online. And to those on site, good morning to all of you. All right. Friends, new friends, and uh, those joining us on site online who has been uh, worshipping with us for quite some time, you know, siblings, welcome home, right? To start to kick off this morning of worship, an encounter with God, worshipping our Lord, celebrating His love. Let's start off with first sharing our love with one another, right? You know, for those who are on site, you know, like turn around, you know, if you see someone new, right, give a very warm welcome by waving your hands or even like you can. Don't punch the person, right? Just fist bump, okay? And those who are online, you know, like just greet one another. If you're there, you know, like uh, you can send a smiley face emoticon or how you're feeling today, right? Welcome home, everyone. We are in uh, our sermon series, Sermon Arc, Welcome Home. So this is truly home where it's not just a physical place that we come to, but rather a community that it comes together to share love with one another, right? Supporting one another. So, we as a community, let us prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts to encounter God's love, to worship our Lord. May I invite those who are able and willing to stand, all right, and together with me to respond to the call to worship. Come, walk in green pastures. We, we follow the shepherd. Come, lie down in green pastures. We trust the shepherd. shepherd. Come dine at the table of abundance. We are fed by the shepherd. Come dwell in God's house. We live in the shepherd's care. Loving shepherd, you know our names. You care for us. When we face darkness and death, walk beside us. When we hunger for your love, fill us with your presence. When we are fearful, feed us at your table. May we dwell in the house of goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. Now let us join the worship team in a time of worship. Though we cannot sing on site, I encourage those who if you want to take a seat and meditate on the lyrics to do so. All right? And for those standing, you may want to raise your hands or just be in a, be, put yourself in a position that is comfortable for you to enter into worship. Now let us come together to worship our Lord. in your hands fullness of joy every fear suddenly wiped away here in your presence all of my gains now fade away every crown no longer on display here in your presence Heaven is trembling in all of your wonders The kings and their kingdoms are standing amazed Here in your presence We are Heaven and earth become one Here in your presence 
Good morning. Would you join me in a time of prayer? I want to invite you first to be present here and now, whether you're joining us in person or joining us online. I invite you to bring yourself to this moment. Make yourself comfortable. Feel your feet connected to the solid ground and breathe. Put aside those thoughts that may be running through your heads, the distractions, the anxieties. Be here now as we pray. God, we gather to worship. We gather to listen. We gather knowing in community we gain clearer insight into you and into ourselves. We seek your way. May we learn to say yes. May we learn to say yes. We know we are beloved from the very beginning when you knit us in the wombs of our mothers. May we say yes to all that connects us to each other and to you that is built on your love for us. May we say yes to transforming our pain so that we become wounded healers even though it is not an easy journey. And it may mean that we have to face our pain and our wounds all over again. May we learn to say yes, to trust that you are with us in our struggling with our pain and wounds, to change our minds, to hold ourselves accountable when we, have, when we are wrong, and to show grace when we have been wronged. May we learn to say no and establish clear, healthy boundaries for our well-being and for the well-being of others. May we learn to say no to the things that do not give us life, that holds us prisoner, the things we do to run away from dealing with the wounds and pain inside, to numb all of that, and in doing so, continue to transmit our pain in ways that we see and in ways that we don't see. You teach us, God, when we allow ourselves to be taught, when we allow you to shepherd us. Loving God, you have the power to bind our wounds and use these wounds to teach us 
just as Christ taught Thomas through his wound on his side. We don't walk alone. You go before us. May we learn to have faith in the face of uncertainty and fear. May we learn to be discerning instead of judgmental. May we learn to listen instead of just hear and to have courage in spite of fear. So we grow to be more and more in Christ's likeness and through our transformation, transform the world to bring your kingdom on earth. Amen. To kingdom come, your faithfulness is unfailing. Though shadows turn and tempers stir, so you, O oh God, are unchanging. True every Yeah.
for joy and weeping in everything our God is faithful he serves our hope I will come running now and always our God is faithful for a season for joy Good morning, church. My name is Gary, and it is my privilege today to be able to share the word with you. And whether you're joining us for a long time or whether you are new with us, I want to wish you a very warm welcome home. We are working our way through this sermon series at the moment called Home is the Way, where we have been exploring what it means to be community and the kind of community that we are being called to create around this image of a home. We've explored how the home we create has its foundations in love, anchored on 1 John 4, 7-8, that encourages God's beloved, that's us, to love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who knows, who loves, is born of God and knows God. So the kind of home that we are called to create is one that's not just a safe place, but a space that is relational, a space that allows us to not just feel safe and be accepted, but also help others feel safe and accepted as well. A space that is based on a covenant of love. So the past few sermons in this series are 
been focusing on different aspects of what it means to be home, and it's now available on our website and on our YouTube channel online. And so if you have missed any of them, I do encourage you to go through them in the coming weeks and reflect on them either in, on your own time or together with your friends, especially with this series where we're talking about doing life in community together. For those who have joined us over the past few weeks, what I'd like to do by beginning our time together is to invite you to share with all of us maybe one thing that you have learned or taken away from this sermon series so far. And if you're joining us live today, you can submit your responses anonymously by going to menti.com and entering that code at the top of your screen that you see, which is 8104-6080. And this is a great way that we can build today's sermon together and have your voice heard. So as the responses are coming in, we're going to take a moment to look at some of these responses that you have shared. Some of the things that you remember are about grace, about love, warmth, reconciliation, no one being left out of home, how all are included, that is in the giving that we receive, coming home to the people you trust, and how home is a safe place, that giving is part of loving. The core anchor to love one another as a critical part of creating home. Thinking about whether we are transmitting our pain or, or transforming it. How coming home is a journey and a process. That family and people that you are with is who you choose. And then again, foundations on grace and what it means to be a wounded healer. Thank you for all your responses and please keep them coming. But I would like to take a moment right now for us all to join our hearts together to pray and open up our hearts to God this morning. So would you join me in a word of prayer? Dear God, we thank you for this time that we are able to come together as community around the ministry of your word. God, we ask you to speak to each one of us now in the way that we need to hear it. Give us open hearts to know your heart for each one of us, and that I pray that we'll have a greater revelation of you, that the living word will come alive in our hearts today, enable us to see you clearly and follow you boldly. We pray that we will be also open to your work in our lives today, and we will have a revelation of your call to us to be the church and to create a home not just for ourselves, but for others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So each week, we've been speaking of a different aspect of what it means to create home, to be community to one another. We have been learning that an important aspect of, coming, of creating home is that its foundations need to be relational and covenantal. That means it's about how we commit and how we relate to one another. 
So today, we're going to be working through a passage from the book of James, beginning in chapter 3, verse 18, until chapter 4, verse 9, where James is addressing some early Jewish Christians about life together in community, about creating home. So James chapter 3 and verse 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Do you think that Scripture says without reason that the Spirit caused to live in us envies intensely? But He gives us more grace. That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. So, I deliberately picked this passage because there's some tough language here from James. Not something that is easy for us to, you know, just swallow and feel good about ourselves. He isn't mincing his words. But let's take a step back today and think about why is he being so blunt? A big part of creating home is in the way that we relate to one another, the way that we are community. The opportunities of the good intent of what a home offers often comes hand in hand with the pain of conflict, brokenness, and hurt. Left unaddressed, this causes what should be a movement of love and justice to become institutions that are irrelevant, outdated, and dying out. In fact, church surveys today tells us that in this age that we live in, fewer and fewer people identify themselves as Christians than a generation before. Or they may identify themselves as Christian, but they don't have anything to do with the church. Why is that? Because they see a lack of relevance to their lives, the lack of impact it has to the world, and all the strife and the problems within that the church has, and conclude, well, there's really nothing different there compared to what the world is offering. In fact, probably the world is offering much better things. But if we look at the entire arc of the narrative of Scripture, God has a very different plan for the church, for these community of Christian followers, us. God has called us to be a home for all, a sign that God is present and at work. We are called to be that foretaste or a preview of the age that is to come in God's way of living for all. We are called to be instruments of restoration of God's shalom peace 
breaking into every area of life. So as we continue to create home for ourselves and for others here at FCC, one foundation that I want to focus on is how we navigate our own community life. And that's where the book of James comes in. It's a very practical book that addresses the way that we relate to one another in community. It was written by one of the early church pastors, James. And in this letter that he writes, he addresses the kind of community that we are called to build as people of God. And today, we want to explore these lessons for our own community. Today, we're going to be looking at this passage of Scripture in James 4, which we have just read, where the subject of creating home is in the foreground. And so we're going to be looking at three things. Number one, the importance of creating home and the kind of home that we are called to create. Why is it important and what does it look like? Number two, what are the key challenges and barriers to creating home? What is stopping us from becoming and enjoying this community that we're supposed to be? And finally, how are we going to get through these challenges and get our breakthroughs to being able to move toward creating this home? It's very straightforward, right? Three-point sermon. But I hope that you're ready to lean in and learn the lessons from it. Are we ready? Firstly, I want to take a moment to give credit where credit is due. Express my gratitude for when I was preparing for this sermon, I was very encouraged by the teaching on the understanding and the development of Christian community by Pastor Timothy Keller of the Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. And so I'm incorporating some, incorporating some of his work in today's message. So let us begin again by, start, by reading James chapter 3, verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. In Greek, Every word has a range of interpretation, or in the academic term, it's what's called a lexical range. In other words, a word can mean different things in different contexts. And so here we see a very important word that we encounter very often in Scripture, which is the word righteousness. And simply put, righteousness means you have been put right. You have been put right. Sometimes it means that you have been put right with God. Sometimes it means that you have been put right with yourself. Sometimes it talks about right relationships with one another, which means to love justly, with integrity, with love. And here in the book of James, it actually carries all of these meanings, the full lexical range of interpretation. And it says here that peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Putting yourself right with yourself, with God and with one another. And James says that this is like a harvest. And for this harvest to happen, you need seed. And the seed here is peacemaking. As we have explored previously, peacemaking is not about making robots who think alike and behave alike. It's not about burying or ignoring issues. It's about how we create a harmonious community, the way it is intended to be. Verse 18 says that God will not be able to bring about the change in your life and my life 
without us being involved in creating a harmonious community. And wherever we look today, one trend that we notice is that the greater the progress around us in the world, the greater the level of individualism. We live in an age that we have never seen before where culture, technology, connectivity and migration patterns are all making us more and more individualistic. It has been pounded into us by our environment today. You are who you determine your, yourself to be, choose to be and seek to be. But scripture tells us that maybe that's not true. Maybe we are actually a product of our family, our culture, and our primary communities. In Chinese, we have this saying, and I hope I don't butcher it because my Chinese is really bad, but I think it's called 近朱者赤,近墨者黑, which means we are the company we keep. We become what we create. And social scientists have realized that the default way we operate, as Myung has prayed, is much more a product of our relationships and the totality of our experiences than of our rational thought. We are more likely to have our beliefs shaped if they are shared by people that we love or like and who love and like us. Our beliefs are more a product of our relationship and our combination of our experiences and less about the way we think. We are all here attending this FCC Sunday service, and many of us would say that our lives have gotten better through the worship, the teaching, the support that we get. And we are thankful to God for this community, for this home. But when we look at our lives, some of us haven't really quite experienced growth, breakthrough, transformation, and healing. And when we start to dig a little bit deeper, we are still the same person on the inside, with the same struggles, same attitudes, and same character. We come in here and we may feel better when we experience God's love, but we are pretty much living the same way that we did before we started coming to this home. Our priorities haven't changed because we have not allowed the gospel to shape our mindset, our attitudes, and our character. And the Bible tells us that we need to be transformed and live differently as a result of the gospel. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, we're called to honor one another. Galatians 5 says, serve one another. First Peter tells us to offer hospitality to one another. In other passages of scripture, to encourage one another, accept one another, bear with one another, admonish and confront one another, warn one another, teach one another, stop being fake with one another, share your possessions with one another, submit to the needs of one another. A lot of one another's, right? This is how the Bible teaches us that we are to love one another as part of our response to loving God, which is the first commandment. 1 John 4.20 reminds us that if you don't love your neighbor whom you have seen, you cannot, you cannot love God whom you have not seen. And you know what? You can't really do that very well here at a Sunday service. Even more challenging with COVID and being apart from others physically for the past two years. 
And I want to say that if this Sunday service is the main way that you experience home, experience FCC, you're really not embedded in community or a fellowship. You're really just part of a crowd. And you can have deep personal encounters with the living God. You may even help out once in a while to make the service happen and it's really appreciated. But you will not really experience change because you have not given yourself over to community. When Jesus was ministering on the earth, there was always a crowd following him. This crowd wanted provision, healing, assurance, protection, blessing. Nothing wrong with that. But the ones who truly experienced the transformation were the smaller group of 12 who committed to community with Jesus and to one another. The disciples were the ones who experienced transformation because it is in community that we grow as Christ followers. Because real life is about meeting and relating. And we will become like our primary social communities. The people that we eat with, play with, converse with, counsel with, and do life with. And so, there can be no supernatural character change without deep involvement in community. But there's also another side to this. I want to read again from James chapter 1, James chapter 4, starting from verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet because you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask for the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Just waiting for the slides to move. <laughs> Pauline, do you want to just actually pass me my laptop at this moment? Thank you so much. Sorry about that, everyone. You can see that the laptop is a little bit upset with that verse that we just read. <laughs> but here we see that James is actually upset with the conflicts that are going on in the church. So there are really two ways to fail, right? One is to not seek community, but the other way to fail is to get into community and end up fighting, quarreling, and life is full of strife. And either way, we are not developing strong community. In fact, if you look at the result in verse 4, you will see that doing it the world's way, fighting for what we want in community, is considered by James as friendship to the world and hatred towards God. Friendship to the world is fighting, and hatred towards God is fighting. Why is that? To better understand this, I'm going to be reading here from John chapter 17, verse 20 to 23. And here we see the words of Jesus. 
My prayer is not for them, it's, it's not for them alone. I pray also for them who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So verse 20 says that they may be brought into complete unity or oneness, and then the world will know that they sent me. Jesus is saying here that the critical method, the tool, the measurement for evangelism to show the world who Jesus is, is not in our Sunday service, is not in our wonderful programs that we have, or how great our theology is, but in the beauty and the depth of our love for one another. In the beauty and the depth of our love for one another. What does it look like in your life and in the life of our church today? What does it look like in how the church is represented in Singapore and around the world today? If we fail to build strong Christian community, either by indifference or by conflict, James says that we are hating God. We trample on the main thing that God has given us to show the world who He is. And James says that that is the complete opposite of loving God. It is hatred towards God. So being in community, working through conflicts, sticking with the people we are put in community with is so critically important, both practically for our own transformation and for the witness that we are as a church. So why is this so difficult? What do you think actually prevents this kind of community from forming? I've invited you to put your responses of your thoughts and reflections on why you think this is so difficult up on menti.com. What prevents us from being able to work through these conflicts? What prevents us from being able to stick with people that we're put together in community? So let's see some of the responses that you have shared. Some of you have written and shared, it's about, maybe it's because it's different interests, that's why it's so difficult. The investment of time and effort tied with work and other commitments, greed, difficult to build trust, personal motives and intentions, lack of common language and understanding, Differences in thoughts and experiences. Commitment and judgment and being judging towards others. Different cultures and expectation. Being able to trust others. Letting go, not knowing if others will catch you. Fear. Stubbornness. Lack of vulnerability. Sticking with our own opinions and perspective than to stick together. Gossip and drama. 
selfishness, different perspectives on what is home, giving up too easily and not giving time for things to grow and deepen. Thank you all for sharing that. Well, James offers two causes in this passage from James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You want something, but you don't get it. The word want here is the Greek word hadone, where we get the root word in English, hedonism. I want something for myself. My comfort, my convenience, my control is my focus. It's more important than anybody else's. I want to do it my way. My needs, my concerns are more important than anything else and anyone else around me. And that's all it takes. When we say, I like to place my comfort, my control, my convenience ahead of the people around me, we have breakdown in community. Where we get this right or wrong is in the ordinary, everyday life a hundred times a day. It is where we catch this or lose this. There is a theologian, George MacDonald, who said, one way to understand hell is this, I am my own. I am my own. Others have since added to this, but the essence is that there are essentially two ways to live life. We can either operate out of a foundation of my life for yours, or I am my own, my life for me. And every day, we have a hundred opportunities to make this decision on whether we want to operate out of my life for me or my life for yours. A simple way to understand this is from this example. No child has ever received life except for the laying down of the mother's life in carrying and bearing and, bearing and nourishing the child. Caregivers who care for and nurture and provide for the child as the child goes, grows up. And for many of us, we are here today because a parent or a caregiver kissed their convenience, kissed their money, and suddenly kissed their time goodbye. They laid down their life for us. They exchanged life so that we could have ours. And this laying down of life always entails a death. A death of my time in order to care for you. The death of my privilege and my rights when I don't retaliate when someone is attacking me. But my life for yours is the only way where any sort of life is possible. To embrace it is to live, but to refuse it is to spiritually die and to then spread death around us. And there we have it, really, heaven or hell, lurking every day in our church, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our interactions online. A hundred times a day, when we see a difficult person coming towards us, on the basis of my life for me, I will be fake, I will be quarrelsome with that person, or I'll try and run away and avoid that person. But on the basis of my life for yours, I look for opportunities, of course with healthy boundaries, to honour, serve, accept, 
encourage, offer hospitality, teach, even warn and admonish and be real with that person. When you volunteer, when you give up your precious time, when you're on a team and you don't insist on your way, these are little deaths. And yet, in the dying of self, they lead to a resurrection of, com of community and their creation of home together. In God's commonwealth, death to individual needs leads to the resurrection of community. And home is created when we continually identify, develop, and then use our gift, talents, and abilities, and resources, and sacrifice our comfort, convenience, and privilege to meet someone else's needs ahead of our own. And so, the breakdown of community is simply, we want to please ourselves. And what is the cause of this want? What is the root of this? It's simply pride. This is what pride looks like. In verse 16, James, sorry, in verse 6, James says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what is the solution? It's right there, isn't it? The solution is to humble ourselves. But what do you think it means to humble ourselves? Again, let's find out what you think. What do you think it means to humble ourselves? And while you're putting in your responses, I want to share something from an 18th century theologian, Jonathan Edwards, who wrote this book called Thoughts on Revival. And he made this observation that in periods of church revivals in history, where the church grows and people's lives are transformed and communities are changed, all of these revivals in history ended because of conflict breaking out in the church and how it was managed. It was how conflict was managed that killed revival. The thing that breaks down spiritual communities more than anything else, the thing that prevents home from being created more than anything else, is pride. So, how do we humble ourselves? Does it mean that when we're not fighting with anyone else in this church that we're being humble? How do we know that we are operating out of a place of spiritual pride or humility? Well, let's have a look at what you have shared in your responses. Um, maybe we go to the top. Be vulnerable. Let go of our self-righteousness and what we think we know. Put down pride and be vulnerable. Not putting yourself at the center. To acknowledge life is fragile. Letting yourself really feel your emotions. Not everything needs to have logic. Egos aside, thinking of ourselves less. No one is perfect. Let go of judgment. Accept that I don't have all the right answers, backstory, and listen to others. Not everything is about me. Be kind but firm. That's a really, really great list. And what I've done also on my side is that I've created an inventory of six common behaviours that kill Christian community as a result of pride or my life for me instead of humility, my life for you. 
And I'm going to show you this list. And as we go through this list, I'd like us to each take a moment to do a little inventory of how we are doing. Are we operating from a place of pride, my life for me, or humility, my life for you? Are you ready? Okay, so these six dimensions that I put there, and some of them you have already talked about. First one, when I'm operating from a place of spiritual pride, I'm more aware of the faults of others than my own. Spiritually humble people are more aware of their own faults than others. Number two, I'm prideful when I have contempt when I speak of the faults of others. I'm looking down on them and blame them for the issues that are going on. I am humble when I do speak of others' faults. I do it with empathy, compassion, and mercy for the purpose of healing and restoration. I'm prideful when it leads me to separate from people I criticize or who criticize me. Conversely, I'm humble when I stick with people through difficult relationships and don't give up on them. Number four, prideful people are dogmatic and sure about every point of belief and the way things should be done. Everything is major. Do you get into conflict with others because you can't be contradicted? Whereas, spiritual people are, spiritually humble people are flexible, they are discerning, and they are reflexive about points of belief. And what reflexive here means is just simply to stop and consider whether the other person, where the other person is coming from could be another perspective, or in fact, a better perspective. Number five, I'm prideful when I either love to confront or I refuse to confront to seek understanding because I am so sure that I am right and the other person is wrong. I'm humble when I am proactive in seeking understanding where there is a difference, where there is differences, and confront others when it's necessary too. Finally, number six, spiritually prideful people are often unhappy and feeling sorry for themselves. They are filled with self-pity because they are so sure of how life ought to go and sure that they are owed a good life. Spiritually humble people know that they are secure of who they are in God, recognizing God's grace and favor in their lives and live out of a place of gratitude. Tough list, huh? So how are we doing? They are tough questions to ask ourselves, aren't they? And I hope that we're not also defaulting to a place of pride automatically when you're going through the list and going like, I think I know someone like that. <laughs> the Word tells us to humble ourselves. And I hope what you see here about what the, how the world calls or what humility is, is not what the Bible understands humility. What we see as humility in the world is, often comes across as shyness or a lack of self-assertion. But that's not what we see at all here in this list. In verse 6, James says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee 
from you. We live in a time today where more and more people don't believe in the physical devil. But we all recognize that there are powerful evil forces, or maybe sometimes what the Bible calls principalities, that operate in the world today. We can name this evil as the devil, the evil. The evil that causes injustice, oppression, discrimination, poverty, brokenness, racism, wars, and anything that moves us away from shalom. That's what evil looks like. And James here is saying, be humble and don't be afraid of evils or the powers that perpetuate evil. Take them on, face them down, resist them. James here is saying, I don't want you to be afraid of anything. And that doesn't seem to go along with being humble, or does it? Actually, it does. And if you remember this famous scene from The Prince of Egypt, which is one of the Disney shows that I love, or the DreamWorks shows that I love, um, you will remember this famous scene where Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. We all remember this scene, right, from our childhoods. But let me put this into context for you to think about what just happened in this moment. Moses goes up to the world's biggest, most powerful leader of this entire ancient world and says to him, hey, um, I want you to give up your entire free labor force, which has been the cornerstone of your military and economic superiority right now. And I would like you to do that without compensation, unconditionally and immediately. Please. Can you imagine going up to one of the modern-day dictators and say exactly that? Let the people go in this way. Whether it is Kim Jong-un or Adolf Hitler or whoever it is, you know, who are one of the dictators that are oppressing people out there. And the Old Testament says that Moses was the humblest person on the face of the earth. And the principle here is that Moses was not courageous and bold in spite of being humble. He was courageous and bold because he was humble. And do you know why? And one of you actually hit on it just now in the many responses. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. It is focusing less on yourself because you are confident of your own value and of your own worth and that God is taking care of you in, in your circumstances in life. So what is the opposite? Well, opposite of humility is cowardice. Cowardice is looking at yourself and focusing on yourself. And courage is not focusing about yourself because you know that God is in control and taking care of things for you. So why is a humble person able to forgive and be gracious when someone attacks them or wrongs them? Because they know that their worth is not in what you think of them. They know who they are. They know 
God's value of them. They know their worth. They know their call. And therefore, if you vilify them, they don't react. They can handle it. Humility, kindness, deference, forgiveness are all a lack of self-concentration. It's not a lack of confidence. It actually comes from a place where you have incredible confidence. If you think about it, a proud person is always feeling snubbed, always feeling offended, always feeling that they're not getting their rights, always worrying. And that is pride. That is why proud people are not courageous, not forgiving, and have meltdowns and a lot of drama of how people are treating them or what people think of them. So how do we get there? How do we become humble? The rest of James chapter 4 gives us two thoughts. There are two very basic but very enormous thoughts that summarize a lot of what we have got, already talked about and a lot of what's in the Bible. We can develop humility, number one, to the degree that we can understand these two things. And the first thing that we need to know is the greatness of God's love for you and for me. The greatness of God's love for you and for me. I want to read James chapter 4, verse 4, out of the inclusive Bible. You faithless people, or adulteresses in the, old, in the original version, don't you know that making the world your friend is making God your enemy? Do you think that Scripture says for no good reason that the Spirit planted in us is passionate to the point of jealousy? Bit of a curious passage of, of Scripture here. The literal translation of this phrase, adulteresses, is very, very strange here because James is speaking to a church that would have people of different gender expression, right? Got males, females, non-binaries or whatever, you know, there's a range of gender expressions in the church. But calling everybody adulteresses, which is the female name for an adulterer, why does James here address a body that includes non-female people as female. Because James is not referring to them individually, only the female people in in the church. James here is tapping into one of the great truths of God's love. God doesn't just love us in the way a shepherd loves a sheep, not just in the way a father loves a child, but God loves the church in the way a husband loves a wife. The church we've seen in Scripture is described as the bride of Christ. And when we follow the ways of the world instead of the ways of God, it is considered spiritual adultery. And this is what uh, the following verse, verse 5 says, when it says that God is jealous that the church has broken covenant and is in enmity with God. James describes God as a God who longs for the love of God's people in the way that partners long for each other's love. It's amazing how daring the language is, but God longs for your love. God longs for my love. But that's not all. In addition to God longing for our love, the second thing that we need to understand is how humility is manifested as this upside-down, counter-cultural principle that the kingdom of God operates. And in verse 6, it reads here that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
And over and over again that we see in the Bible, Scripture tells us that those who exalt themselves, who lift themselves up, will be humble. And those who humble themselves are the ones who God exalts. The first will be last. The last will be first. The person who finds their life will lose it. And the one who loses their lives for God's sake and for the sake of others will find it. The kingdom principle is simply this. If you lay down your will to God, if you follow God's call, if you die to your own power, your own control, your own right to be right, if you declare my life for yours each time, God promises that you will get your life back forever, safe and sound. You will have life and life abundantly. You will have peace that surpasses all understanding and you will be following in, in Jesus Christ's call and own example. But if you try to hold on to your power, your safety, your possessions, your comfort zones, if you say, I don't want to care for others, I don't want to serve others, I want them to serve me, my life for me, you will not grow. And collectively, this home cannot grow. And we cannot be that witness of Christ in the world. And we will not be able to experience breakthrough, healing, transformation, and the greater fullness of God's promise of shalom. So as we close our time together today, I wonder how many of us, when we look at our own lives today, will recognize the pride within ourselves and the brokenness and the evil that we create and we perpetuate. But when we repent, and that ugly word repent just simply means to just stop, to recognize that we are following our own selfish motives instead of following Christ, and then go the other way by recognizing knowing, believing, and receiving God's unconditional acceptance and love for you and for me in God's sacrifice of the one who had no sin for us. And to the degree that we can understand this, to the degree that we have this revelation of this love, is the degree that we can step into our call of being the priesthood of all believers, the co-heirs with Christ. And that's the beginning of true humility. That's the the beginning of where we come out of this incredible inner confidence of our worth to God. It is the beginning of where we can start to have courage and being able to serve others and focus on the needs of others instead of our own needs. And the result of that is that it creates a home for God's, it creates a home for God's witness here of the gospel in this community with the people around you. As we wrap up, I just want to share with you one of the inspirations for this sermon and my own story as well. I grew up in a Christian family, and when I was young, I had a very, very dogmatic relationship with the church and with God. It was a relationship of fear and a relationship not of love. I was good when I needed to be good and because I needed something from God. And so I also went to church thinking that I would be going to church to please God in order to get something what I want. I prayed for the purpose also of getting something that I needed. But honestly, my heart was far from God. 
And so in my 20s, when I came back to God, is when I started to realize that I was on a path of destruction trying to run my own life. I had a really bad relationship with myself at that time. I didn't understand my worth, and so I had low self-esteem. I was coping by gambling, drinking, chain-smoking, coveting, lying to cover up my actions, and I had a terrible relationship with my parents and the people around me. I was invited one day to a service like this by a friend where I had a revelation of Christ's love for me. In that service, I was convicted, and I started going to church, but I didn't see much change in my life because I went mainly to get that teaching and for more knowledge. I thought that that's what spiritual growth was all about, right? Being able to become an expert on the Bible. But that's not growth is, because I am still operating on the principle of my life for me. But God is greater. God doesn't give up on me, and God doesn't give up on you. And I watch how God has progressively brought me into a greater revelation of who I am in Christ and God's love for me. And I began seeking God's presence and God's heart. So what did I do? I decided to join the worship team because I knew that I could experience God's tangible love and presence each time I worship. So that's where I was going to serve. Still, my life for me, but I was beginning to see the change and the growth. At that time, I never wanted to do, have to do anything with the lives of other Christians. I was in a mainline church, so they always, I've always felt like they had the we are right kind of holier-than-thou attitude, wanted to impose their things on my life, and I didn't want to enter into an authentic relational community and of course, I was in the closet then, right? So God forbid that uh, they knew that I was gay. But God had be better plans. God brought me to FCC. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I started learning how in this community to relate to other people authentically, what it means to create home. And through the process of understanding my own call and serving others, I started seeing changes in the way I view myself and related to God. And so, I've been here now 19 years, and God continues to work in my life, and God continues to work in all our lives until we become that kind of community that God calls us to become. And through it, we will experience the promises and the favor of God and real growth, not just in numbers, not just in the knowledge of the Bible but in the kind of growth that really matters to God in who we become. The church that Jesus has called, that is the bride of Christ, the hope of the world, His hands and feet, a sign and the foretaste and the instrument to break, make this happen. One of the problems that we have in FCC is that we have a revolving door. We have a very high turnover rate. People come and people go. Sometimes it's involuntary because people need to leave Singapore to live and work in other countries. But most of the time, people leave because of conflict, the lack of care, 
or the lack of a space for them. This sermon was actually inspired when I received a text last week from a long-time member saying just these four words, I am leaving church. That hit me hard. While they have their own role to play in not wanting to stick with community, I ask myself, have we been so focused on ourselves and on doing church that we have forgotten sometimes what it means to be the church? Being part of a church or a community is not easy, as you all well know. I myself have wanted to leave FCC many, many times. But each time I prayed about leaving FCC and going somewhere else, God's answer has been no. And then I understand why. Because wherever I go, the one constant that follows me is me. I bring all my same issues into the new community where I need to work it out again, or then I leave and start again. And guess what? This rinse-repeat cycle means that I will never grow. I will never have a breakthrough. I never transform. When we each collectively operate from the my life for you and not my life for me, it will change the kind of community this becomes. It will change the focus and the reason of why we do what we do. So for example, let's say if I'm a, still a member of the worship team, I can ask myself, am I here and to minister God's love and presence to other people that are coming? Am I here to support the ministry of the of community here? Or am I here to perform my favorite songs in the way that I want to, to perform them? Are we here only to receive ministry or are we here to embrace, welcome, include, care for others in community and what they're going through, regardless of whether we're part of the welcome team or not? And if you're already committed to this community, I would like to invite you to take a moment to pause with this final question and reflect for a moment. How does my life for you change the way you see your role in creating home for others? How does my life for you change the way you see your role in creating home for others? And while we wait for the responses to come in, today, if you haven't given yourself over to community, I would like to encourage you to make that decision to move from that crowd move from the crowd of my life for me to community, my life for you. To move from a place of pride to a place where you humble yourselves. And as you reflect on these questions, let's look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ where we see my life for you, for yours, in the ultimate God comes to earth to be with humanity as Emmanuel, the God who is with us, who sticks with us, who makes a home with us. The creator of the universe is also the God who comes to make a home with humanity, serves humanity, and eventually gives his life up for humanity. And on that cross, Jesus Christ experiences hell, the rejection by humanity, and overcomes it. So that now, when we try to draw near to God imperfectly, when we try to humble ourselves imperfectly, 
when we try to serve other people imperfectly, when we try to resist evil imperfectly, God is still with us because nothing, nothing, folks, separates you and me from God's abiding love. I pray that this truth will pound into your heart, pound into our spirits as we live from here, so that you can be confident of God, of, in your worth before God, in your value, and that you can have confidence that God truly is working out everything in your life for your good and our good. I pray that you have confidence that God is going to do, of what God is going to be doing in you, that God has thoughts that are so much of love towards you to help to grow you and to transform you and to help through you create a home for yourself and for others in the journey ahead. As we close today, I would like to invite you to pray aloud from the message version of 1 John 4 and 2 Corinthians 5. Would you join me in this prayer? God is love. May God's love take up permanent residence in our lives. May it find its home in us, have the run of the house, and come to a place of maturity. May the love of Christ have the first and last word in everything that we do, and may it compel us towards God's perfect will for the future. And all of God's people say, Amen. Thank you, church. I, for one, am so glad that God said no <laughs> all those many times you prayed. Um, as all of us might have prayed at some point of time, I've, I'm thankful that we are here, that in this very moment that we are community, that we are home. And as home, as family, we celebrate the Holy Communion together. We gather each Sunday at this table even though at this time we are not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Good shepherd, we take your care for granted. We fail to trust your abiding love. When you set a table before us, we turn aside from you. In the presence of danger, call us back into your fold and help us trust your caring presence and provision that our actions may proclaim your truth. Together, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. God forgives our failures and calls us back into the flock. Loving God, our Good Shepherd, we are the sheep of your pasture. You know us by name.
We offer grateful thanks for your loving care. Open our hearts and minds to the guiding of your Spirit in our lives. Lead us in right paths that we may serve you in truth and action. Amen. God prepares the table for us, offering us a feast of abundant love. Our cups overflow with the bounty of grace, for our shepherd knows us as no one else can. Restoring our souls, healing our brokenness, nourishing us with bread and cup for the life of ministry. Remember how Jesus, our shepherd, took bread and after giving thanks, broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Can I have the stewards to come help distribute the elements for us? So our lovely stewards will be handing you the elements. Um, so all you would do is to receive them. And if this is your first time here, usually what we do is that we make sure everyone is served and then we'll partake of the elements together. Come to the table and feast of the shepherd. Let us partake of these communion elements together with thanksgiving.
May I invite you to stand as you are able and willing and pray this prayer of communion together. God, God of love, you abide with us. Your loving presence stills us. You provide us with all that we need in abundance. Help us love one another in truth and action. Help us give of ourselves to those in need. Help us care for others the way our shepherd cares for us. May our lives reflect our wholehearted trust in our shepherd's everlasting love and care. Amen. Please be seated. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome home once again. All right, my name is Jimmy. I'm your service leader for today. Uh, before we move to the next segment, let me thank Gary again, once again for sharing God's Word, leading us, guiding us, helping us decide. I think it's a loaded sermon that um, provided me a lot of points to examine my heart. All right, there's a lot of things to work on as an individual, as, an, as a community, the people whom we serve with. And uh, thank you, Pauline, for leading us through communion earlier. So for those who are joining us uh, this morning, all right, uh, this from all, since morning until this afternoon, right? Welcome home. If you are new, new to new with us, right? Um, you know, first time or second time joining us on site or even online, all right. I'd like to invite you to join and help us to um, know you better. You know, by filling up the form, all right, for, for us to get to know you better at fcc.la/welcome, all right, and it will go to our free community church. Um, page. So first, so for the new 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 people who are new with us, you might wonder I don't like a free community church. So we always uh, you know like share with you, share with all those who join us. What does free stand for? All right, free stands for first realize everyone's equal because over here we like Gary said we are we recognize that we are the beloved children of God. All right, we are invaluable in our worth. All right, we love one another, care for one another, are included in this space, right? regardless of you know, your gender expression, your uh, attraction, your orientation, your social economic status, your nationality. You know, you're simply come, simply be, all right? be who you are, be to become who God has called us to be. All right? So on the, uh, on the last Sunday of every month, we will have a newcomers meeting. So if you are new, um, you know, to us online or on-site, right? I will encourage you to just, fill, if you have not filled up the form, do fill it up because we will have a newcomers meeting on the 27th of February. That will be next, uh, next Sunday, alright? And if you have more questions and you'd like to find out more, you can email to uh, church at info at freecomchurch.org. We move on to the segment where we worship God, acknowledge, uh, acknowledging His thanksgiving and blessing in our lives. All right? So to continue to build this family, to build this community, all right, I, can, I would like to invite all of us you know, to uh, give, give to the two buckets of uh, the funds here that we have. 
First would be the general fund that goes to the general operations of the church, you know, paying down on various uh, HR and also for the equipments that goes into running of the place, you know, that keeps the lights running, as they say, right? Uh, the other one goes to the building fund that goes to pays, paying down the mortgage of the church. So if you are, by, by now, most people would be very familiar with like paying with pay now, so you can whip out your phones and just scan the QR code. For those giving by a credit card, you can go to freecomchurch.gift.asia. That's where you can do a one-time giving or set up a, a monthly or repeated giving. Although there's a small little administration fee okay, for um, credit card um, um, giving. So while we are preparing for that, and before I invite the uh, stewards to come forward uh, to take up the offering for those who are giving physically, I'd like to invite all of us to reflect and look at the blessings that we have received in our lives. All right, Recall the good things that God has given to us, things that we are grateful, grateful for every day. Last pray. Dear God, you are life giver, you are love giver, you are the builder of home and the builder of community. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the blessings you have given us in our lives. You give, you have blessed us so that we can be a blessing to our community, to one another. Let us freely share this love of the abundance of our hearts. And we lift up all that we are offering and giving to you, Lord, to help create peace, wholeness and shalom in this world. So we thank you, Lord, for calling us into your fold. We thank you and we love you. And watch over us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, may I invite the uh, stewards to come forward to take up the offering? So if you are giving physically uh, cash or check, you may just raise up your hand and our stewards will come to you. So moving on next, we have some announcement, all right? Some announcement is coming, all right? So anyone can guess? Oh, no, no need to guess, all right? The first one is actually quite exciting, all right? A few months back, we had... Uh, invited Jiayi, right? Jiayi, who, who is actually an activist and uh, working with people living with HIV. A vo- uh, she's a volunteer and, and an advocate for you know, promoting, um, you know, helping people with, uh, promoting uh, works that goes to helping people living with HIV. So we, have, we are working with Jiayi very closely and we are coming up with this uh, working with PL. PL, uh, PL HIV, Persons Living with HIV um, talk that's called Safe Spaces. That's happening on the 24th of February at 8pm. So we actually have a lot. I heard from uh, Pastor Miak that we have a lot of people signing up. So this happening online, you know, don't miss the chance to really, this is one way of showing how to better love people within our community, especially in the LGBT community. To this day and age, there are still no um, ignorance about you know like what really living with HIV is about. Who are people living with HIV, right? And how do we care and love them, you know? But we still see to, even in the news like people who are like you know COVID nineteen, you know, la- labeling COVID nineteen equivalent to all the mutation and variants to people living with HIV. So I think that is something food for thought and something that we can learn. 
you know, uh, how to be more loving and more sensitive towards um, creating safe spaces for people living in HIV. So, please remember to go to fcc.la slash safe spaces plhiv. That's a mouthful. Uh, fcc.la safe spaces plhiv. And you can, you will come to a Google form whereby you can actually fill up your details to receive um, the Zoom link. Alright, so the next announcement is the time of the year where we are approaching Good Friday and Easter. And that's the time whereby we are calling everyone, you know, like really spend this time to, to pray for people whom you know, they, are just, they have discovered, you know, the love of God, have come into the faith, alright, or even yourself, you know, you have just come to faith, you know, experience God's presence and love in your life. And, but you have not been baptized. You're not sure whether you're commit, you're, you want to commit to this life of walking God's love in the building as part of the family, as part of the community, you know, to help restore creation uh, to its beauty and wonder. So, do take this time to pray and to know that on the, there will be that baptism class on the 24th of March. So even if, like, I would personally encourage, if you're not sure, you know, you're not committed to say, ah, I don't know whether I want to have baptism, but I want to know more. I really encourage those who are maybe just you know, new, to, new and still considering to just simply sign up at fcc.la slash 222 baptism you know, and get to know more. That's where you can raise questions, understand the faith better and what it means um, to be baptized. All right? And there's also membership class all right, as, as part of the uh, whole notion of entering into the community, becoming one with the community. There's baptism class and there's also membership class where what you get to learn what it means to be a member of, a truly a member of the community, right? what are the roles, responsibilities, and also what, the, you know, what you get out of it, right? to be part of the family. Not just the sorrows and the troubles, but also the love and grace. All right? So really encourage uh, everyone, and, and if you're in a cell group, you don't look out for one another and share this piece of good news. So for the next part, we are entering into Lent. And for this part, I'm proud to invite you know, Pauline once again to the pulpit, all right, to the table, and to share more about what's in for us this Lent. Thank you, Pauline. So thanks, Jimmy. Um, so we have eaten a lot, feasted a lot, celebrated a lot, I hope, uh, over the Lunar New Year period for some of us. Um, and um, we as a church, and there's something I love about um, church life, right, is that we actually move in through the calendar year through different seasons. And that helps us experience God in deeper ways. And Lent is one of those uh, wonderful periods of time that invites us in a time of deepening, in a time of stillness, in a time of learning more about God and our relationship with God. So this is why we Lent is really the period that helps us move towards Holy Week, which is you know Good Friday and then Easter. And so it's like a preparation period. So one of the things that we wanted to do this Lent was to actually invite you into a time of learning about different forms of prayer and then praying together. So in these sessions, uh, and I have planned them especially on Wednesdays because usually we have our prayer meetings on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock, so usually 8 to 8.30. So I wanted to combine uh, this time together because it's not just about learning about, right? What uh, Gary was saying, right? It's not just gaining knowledge about prayer and telling people everything you know about prayer, but also in 
inviting you in a time of practicing prayer together. And I thought it would be nice for us to learn new things about how to pray. Um, so the first session we'll be having on the 16th of March, in the middle of March, will be Centering Prayer. And then we'll have Lectio Divina. If you don't know what all those things are, please come. All right, it'll be very interesting. It'll be something for you. To, and even if you're familiar, please come and practice together as a community. And the third session we have is on praying for others. Because what, that's what community is about, right? It's not just about us and how we nurture ourselves spiritually, but also in the midst of praying for others, that's part of that nurturing of our spirituality. So if you're interested or you have questions, just sign up at info at freecomchurch.org. There'll be more details coming up in the weeks ahead, but I wanted to actually just let you know so that um, you have some time beforehand just to prepare your hearts and just to be intentional about this process. Okay. Next. So this Sunday um, is one of those Sundays where we celebrate our February babies, okay, our monthly celebration for uh, our birthday babies. And you see, we have actually quite a lot of February babies, right? We have Valencia, Nathan, Sean, Shan, Daniel, Miak, Lillian, Clarence, Cyrus, Darren, so many, right? And you see Miak right there in the middle, right? Miak was at his birthday just a few days ago. And so we want to actually pray for them. Usually we'll sing, lah. Okay, birthday song for them, but now uh, at this time we're not allowed to sing. La. Or rather, if I if sing is only I sing, uh, so I'm not gonna sing for you. <laughs> we will not torture you this way. Okay? But if you'll join me in a word of prayer for our dear siblings, right, as we celebrate their birthdays. Dear God of our birthdays, you birth us into being. Not just our physical beings, God, but you breathe life into each one of us your breath of life in us. And so, God, we thank you for our um, birthday babies uh, in the month of February, all our dear siblings uh, who are celebrating this gift of life. And we celebrate this gift of life together with them because we have been gifted with their lives. And we just thank you so much for how you have blessed us with each one of them. We pray that, God, you will help us to know how to nurture this gift, to help them to grow to support them, to care for them, to love them through this journey of life they've called us to together. We thank you that, God, you are walking ahead of them, preparing the way for them. That for all of them, God, you have wonderful plans that you are putting together, plans that you have known even way before they were born as you were knitting them together in their mother's womb. And I pray that all these wonderful plans will come into reality and that, God, you will continue to draw them close to you, that your presence and your comfort and your encouragement and your strength, your sustenance will surround them always. God, help them, each of them, to grow in wisdom, to grow in love, to grow in grace as they walk with you and as we walk with them in community. So God, we just thank you for each one of them, and especially for Myak. Uh, we thank you for his life and his ministry of love here in FCC. And we pray that, God, you'll continue to sustain him, inspire him, strengthen him, transform him as he works in the work of helping us all transform as well. And so, God, we just continue to lift ourselves and each other up into your hands as we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, will you stand as you're willing and able for the benediction?
Dear God of love, you gave your life for ours. You love us first and called us to love one another by giving our lives for others. This doesn't come easily or naturally to us. So help us, Lord. Help us humble ourselves and transform us in your likeness as we learn and grow in this community. So now go. Go as God's beloved people and may God's love and peace go with you always. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us for service this Sunday. Please go and God's peace go with you. God bless you.